Yes, 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 people. Hey, welcome to um, <clears throat> another episode of Echo Chamber. Special episode as well because we're going deep on sci-fi London that has just kicked off. But we're going to start like we always do with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 10th to the 12th of May. At number 10, Wonder Park. At number 9, we have an event cinema event from the Met Opera, Dialogues des Camarettes. At number 8, Amazing Grace. At number 7, Tolkien. At number 6, Dumbo. At number 5, The Curse of La Llorona. At number 4, Longshot. At number 3, The Hustle. At number 2, Avengers Endgame. And at number 1, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Okay, so um yeah, we've got um a review from um a UK premiere that happened to um Thursday evening. Uh we've also got a little chat with um one of the VR um one of the VR creators from uh, Sci-Fi London's Hackfest. Um, and we got news. Alright, so let's get into today's episode. Okay, so I've just got out of um, the UK premiere of Black Flowers, which is the new film from director... Martin Gooch, he also wrote the film and um, uh, produced it alongside Krista DeMille Um, and the film is starring Krista DeMille, Andrea Sweeney Blanco, Jose uh, Lavaras, William Mark McCulloch um, and Ron Rug. And, um, okay, so the uh, general gist of the film is this. Welcome to the future. Two years from now, after the nuclear apocalypse that changed life as we know it, Black Flowers is a sci-fi road trip of epic proportions with a female superhero. Without gasoline, electricity or communications, humanity is devolving into a barbarous society of hunting and pillaging. In this hellish landscape, one family fights for survival. Superhero mother Kate, played by Krista, loses her injured survivalist husband, played by Ron Rogue, and love-struck daughter Susie. Andrea Sweeney Blanco, in a matter of days after they join handsome loner Joe, 
played by Jose Lavaras, in search of a rumoured hidden nuclear bunker full of food and medicine, suddenly alone, lost in the chemical clouds and pursued by murderous scavengers. Kate fights to stay alive and reunite with her family, joining Kate in her desperate bid to build a better world for her daughter are the kind yet doomed souls she meets along the way. Like humans, black flowers can kill or they can heal. Things are often not what they seem. So yeah, that is, you know, the gist of the film. And I think going in, I wasn't really sure you know, what type of film this was, like, is it gonna be, um, like, a straight-up sci-fi action film, is it dark humour, is it just straight-up goofy, like, you know what I mean, what, what kind of film, and so, at the beginning, I, you know, I, I wasn't quite sure how to kind of digest what was happening. But as the film kind of played out, I kind of, I, I, I started to understand where it was coming from. And, you know, this was, it's kind of in the vein of, um, you know, as you heard from the screening, like a Monty Python-ish, Goon Show-ish, um, you know, like I'd say, you know, it reminded me of kind of a, a, a Doctor Who episode on drugs, you know what I mean? Like they properly LSD'd it up. And this would probably be more of the Russell T. Davis Doctor Who. So that, that that's the kind of vibe I was getting. And, you know, once you kind of embrace it as that, it's easy to become fully on board of, um, of the film. You know, because you're then seeing within it, like, this craziness and it makes sense because if you're kind of look coming in thinking oh this is going to be some serious sci-fi or just sci-fi action even it, it's easy to kind of lose track and sense of things but once you realize what what direction it's coming in yeah it, it's all fine um you're kind of like, there's moments in the films when they don gas masks because of toxic fumes. And, like, you get to points where you're like, is what's happening a, a, a chemical haze? Or are these events actually happening? Because, you know what I mean, they're so bizarre, they're so crazy. And I think sometimes you have to 
I think you realize, okay, it, 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 it's actually a haze. You know, these are all kind of crazy visions that um, Kate is having. You know, and, and, you know, she thanks her husband at one point. So that made that, you know what I mean? That's like, oh, so everything, that was just some crazy vision trip that she was just on. But it's in, but then you're like, oh, but no, but this bit is real. This bit is real. So you have this interplay of like DMT trips and then this crazy reality that they're all living in. And Kate's trying to save her daughter. But then her daughter's kind of gets hypnotized. And she's, yeah, it's, so it's crazy. It's freaky. I think to really, in you know what I mean, to be enjoy, to be on board with it, to enjoy it, you have to... Um, you. Know, I I would say you have to be a fan of like the quirky side of UK film. You know what I mean? So um, you like I would probably say if you're a fan of um early Edgar Wright, you know Simon Pegg and um, I forget the other guy. Oh, that's so irritating. But you know what I mean. If you're a fan of, like, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, that kind of stuff, um, I think this is probably you. If I, I'd even say if you're a fan of, like, Blackadder, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think you could probably be on board with this. But just go in, like, not expecting this serious kind of film you know just expect craziness goofiness a psychedelic trip expect that and you and you'll be able to fully immerse yourself in the world of black flowers um yeah there's no release date so far but when that information comes through, I will, um, yeah, I'm, I'm let everyone know. Okay, so um, yeah, that is Martin Gooch and Krista DeMille's Black Flowers. Okay, so I'm here with Chuck Armstrong, who um, is one half of the team behind M. Muckana, which is a VR um, short that's playing at Sci-Fi London. So, Chuck, thanks for your time. Um, tell us a little bit about what M. Muckana is. Certainly. So, uh, M. Muckana is basically the story of two inventors, both named uh, Steve, Steve and Steve, who invent a new uh, sentient artificial intelligence uh, in their garage, and basically the film uh, is shot in VR 360, so uh, the viewer takes the point of view of the artificial intelligence and is watching the two inventors sort of quibble over what to do with their newfound invention. And it's, I should say, it's a comedy. Okay, interesting. And how long does this experience last? 
So, right, it's about, um, including the, I believe the titles, I believe it's about 13 minutes, between, between 12 and 13 minutes, I, I think. I hadn't looked at the exact runtime before sitting down, <laughs> but right around there. All right, cool. So, what inspired you to um, create this? Uh, so, a few things. Um, my writing partner, Charlie, and I had uh, long been uh, science fiction fans, and a lot of the work that we'd done uh, for the stage uh, back in the United States had been um, science fiction. We had actually written a play a science fiction comedy play that we took okay. to, to Edinburgh in uh, 2015 called Moby Alpha. Uh, and so we've, we're familiar with the genre and we're big fans of trying to sort of meld comedy and science fiction, mm. or I should say find comedy within the science fiction. Um, but really, the inspiration came from our director, uh, Liam Brady. He's a, he's a filmmaker based in San Francisco. And he had for a very long time been wanting to uh, make a VR f uh, film, I guess is, is the way that you say it, or a 360 VR experience, mm. is, I think that's the word you use, and that's probably more proper. Uh, so he had sort of pitched us on the initial idea of wanting to um, use VR to put the audience from the point of view of a, uh, a, a, a passive character who's still embedded in the story. Right, and then right. we, through the conversation, we ended up uh, deciding upon making the viewer, the passive viewer who is still embedded in the story, the uh, essentially seen from the point of view of the artificial intelligence that's created by these inventors. Interesting. <laughs> and like, um, all right. So, firstly, what has been the response so far? Uh, <laughs> that's a great question. So, uh, interestingly, or not interestingly, I should say that the VR as a distribution medium is still uh, something that has been that's not very well sussed out. So, yeah. even, for example. Uh, at this festival, which is fantastic, uh, you know, there we we have our our short and the other VR experiences that are here are all on you know he headsets, rigs mm. that you need to you know find a volunteer from the festival and, and put the experience on. Um, we have weirdly, I shouldn't say weirdly, but we've probably gotten most of our uh, our most our feedback and, and viewership from from people who have watched it just on their phone. So oh, not okay. without a headset, but, you know, with, with, like, the YouTube app or the Vimeo app, yeah, you can watch yeah. it. And the, if the phone, you know, understands the, its location in space, so if you sit in a swivel chair and move, uh, move around, you can move it up and down, and, uh, and, and you can track without doing the binocular. Oh, vision. interesting. I don't think that it's as good an experience. You lose mm. some of the fidelity, obviously. It's not nearly as good as having the headset on and being fully immersed. Um, but so the, I, it, the answer to your question, the, those people who have seen it, seem to enjoy it quite a cool. bit, but it has been an interesting challenge to try to figure out how to distribute a virtual reality experience. Mm. And that's actually something that we've um, heard from when we've spoken with other people that have made VR films. Um, you know, we, because we've made, other, we've made other films and we've written for the stage and a lot of times you can figure out ways, like we had a, we had a short, just a comedy short of ours in, a, in the Cleveland Film Festival just a couple months ago and that's the sort of thing where, you know, very, Traditional, you make a yeah. short film and you submit it, and if it's approved, it goes in, and you know some X number of people see it, and mm, then that's mm. the normal way that you get the response. Uh, it ends up online, you get viewership there. But right now, you know, without not a lot of people have hardware, and yes. there's, and there's yeah, really yeah, kind yeah. of not a lot of uh, platforms for people with the hardware, other than maybe Facebook's Oculus and a couple places on YouTube to find VR content. So the space is really nascent. Mm. So in a lot of ways, it's um, it's been it's been probably viewed less than other things that we've done, um, but the people that view it, you know, you do have the benefit of them sort of engaging with, they're going to watch the whole thing because they're yeah. going into the world. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah. about it. I feel like I gave you a lot of it. Yeah. Like, I talked a lot about VR in general. 
No, that's cool. Like, um, how long did the process take to create it and then film it? Yeah, okay. So we did a uh, we did a crowdfunding campaign uh, to raise the money to do it because uh, you, you know part of the budget had to take into account just the hardware cost. Mm. Like you needed to you know these were much larger files. We needed to rent a totally different type of camera than we were familiar working with. Yeah, we had to learn yeah. how to do all those things. Um, and so we took a few months to write the script. I should say write the initial script, um, and then and then raise the money and do pre production. Um, Liam, our director, uh, through his family, had access to a barn up in um, rural Cal- California, northern rural California near Sacramento. And so we knew that that was going to be the space because we were sort of keen off the idea of like, you know, Steve Jobs and Steve Noz- uh Steve Noisy at the garage. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah. garage. So we wanted to be like, okay, two inventors like Silicon Valley in, in a garage. Mm. Um, and so we, we knew we had this barn space that we could, you know, sort of do whatever we wanted with it. Uh, once we had once we had the script and we had all the pre-production done and we had the equipment, it really we we shot it over um, over three days out in Northern California, and it was a it was a quick shoot for you know I think probably uh, well I don't know if it was a quick shoot for a, for a short but what was interesting about it was we had to really rehearse the scenes like they were plays because you can't cut. And then move focus. You have right. to get you're going, you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah, have yeah. to get all your timing and your lines and everything and everything properly done. So we had to, we really had to almost treat it like we were learning a, a play. Right. To do each of the scenes. Which your background must have been a bit of a help for that. I think so. Yeah. So I think that, well, I think that for the for the way of trying to convey what's happening in the plot, the background on in stage writing, I think was much more beneficial than any of the experience we had had with film because you're, you're thinking about, you're thinking about pacing in a way without the luxury of a, of a cut. You can't just get mm. lines and then cut it all later in the editing room. So I do think that did help. Um, but it also was difficult because it's different from even, at least in a play you have, you know, you're projecting towards the stage. Yes. In this case, you're projecting all towards one sort of central focus point in the middle of the room <laughs> and walking around. So it was a totally weird experience. And then we had to actually, while we were up there that weekend, part of, I think why it took so long is we had to do some rewrites because once we started filming, we realized the things that we wanted to do, they'd be like, oh, we could have easily done this in film with a cut, mm, right? So mm. if you want to sort of foreshadow or demonstrate that something is happening in a different part of the room, and you want to make sure that you call your, the audience's attention to it, yeah. it's, you need to be even more explicit than you would in a play because you need to make sure the, the person turns yes. and sees yeah, what's yeah, happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, okay. Well, I know you've got to um, rush off. So just two things quickly. Would you, like, are you going to make more of these? Good question. We, I think that we, we would love to make more VR uh, experiences. I think we need to, we, one thing that we learned from this is that it, do, it doesn't work to try to force things from that where the storytelling medium would be better served, in it, or the story would be better served in a different medium. Right. It doesn't work to take that try to force it into VR. Yeah. With this yeah. one, because Liam had the initial idea of basically making the audience member a central character, I think it really worked. But we've talked about trying to do things like adapting other things that we had for VR. I think that we would need to come up with something uh, that we knew was really suited and sort of enhanced by the medium yeah. before we yeah. would return back to VR. I would love to work on it again, but um, I have not yet had that, I guess, epiphany of mm. what's the thing that's going to be done in VR. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of VR shorts trying to figure it out. But, uh, but as of yet, no, at the moment, no. 
Okay, that's great. And so where can the audience like find out about you? Do you have like a website, yeah. like Twitter, Facebook, all of that? So, so yeah, the best place to find out about us is, uh, is uh, our, it's just our website. It's uh, charlescomedy.net. Um, okay. That's it, charlescomedy.net. So, both my writing, so I'm Chuck, my writing partner is Charlie, uh, and together we are the comedy duo Charles. Both of us, his name's Charles. So, <laughs> charlescomedy.net. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Chuck. Really appreciate it, and I, I hope you have crazy success with this. Yeah, thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate it. No worries, man. Uh, bye. Okay, people. So, um, yeah, we are at the end of another episode. You know what? Because this episode was so jam-packed, we're going to um, lead the news to um, our next episode, which I believe will be tomorrow. Uh, because, yeah, we're going to be covering films and um, have grab interviews with directors and actors producers, writers, creators, all from Sci-Fi London that is happening every day until the 22nd of May. Uh, so, go to the website if you um, want to know more, which is scifilondon.com. Um, you'll be able to find a schedule of films that are playing at the Prince Charles Cinema and um, Picture House Stratford East. Also, um, go to the website and you'll be able to sign up to Hatstock and you'll be able to step into a world of VR. It's crazy it's insane i definitely recommend you um checking it out you heard from chuck who's part of Childs, uh so you'll be able to check out their vi their vr story and a whole heap of others so um yeah hope you enjoyed you know what I mean? our reviews Threw an Aladdin there for you. And just the um all the content. Tomorrow we've got some interviews for you and a lot more. So um yeah. Share with your friends, leave a review on iTunes. Hey, appreciate the love, people. Appreciate you listening, taking the time. And, um, yeah, enjoy. And hope to maybe see you at Sci-Fi London. All right. Peace. Peace.